Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome along to the Shackles Are Off podcast and we welcome the happy traveller back to British Shores, Chris Millard. Hello, hello. Now, now, before we get into our podcast, we've got Izzy Westbury as our guest on. She's brilliant. She's out in the sun, so I've had enough of her already. We've not even spoke to her. I've had enough of you because you were in Barbados last week. How was it, by the way? Because it just looked like the best tour ever. Um, not obviously on the field. But off the field, I mean, two years of pent-up travelling Barmy Army frustration. There was there was points in the last two years where I wasn't really sure if we were ever going to get on a tour again. When when it was when things were going bad, you're like, is travel ever going to come back? Are we ever going to go on a cricket tour again? Is that something that's going to be deemed necessary? And I think the last week just proved that it, it completely is necessary for so many people that that, that love to watch the game abroad and, and travel overseas. That. There's still the demand there, arguably more than ever. One of yeah. the most most watched, most travelled to away T20 series I've ever seen or witnessed. It, it was great to see so many people out there so relieved to just be back on a cricket tour. And, and it was a shame what happened on the pitch, but it, it was also quite nice to see it was so competitive. I look at what the West Indies did in, at the World Cup and you thought, geez. We might we might roll them five nil here, but they've they've changed the strategy. They've gone for the young guns, and it's proved to be worth their while. We we were obviously there with a a rotated squad, as is the the norm now with T twenties, Tests, ODIs. But it it was nice to see um five well four fairly competitive games, and and it go down right to the wire, and they were all quite close as well. And I'll be honest, I'm a Test cricket fan, and then. And then one day fan, and then probably T20 fan. But I, I got into it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. So it was great to watch England again, overseas doing what they do. But 
I, I, I can confirm to everyone that Test is still the best format to watch overseas. So um, don't worry if you didn't make it to the T20s. In March, there is a three-series Test tour. There's still some spaces left on the island, so come along and join us. And I will guarantee you 110% that it will be one of the best tours of your life because it's been so long since a Test tour. England with a new head coach, more than likely, um, and, and a, a fairly new look team, you would imagine. Um, and, and it'll be great. be great to support the lads. It's the first time they've been supported in in two years away from home fully. Uh, obviously, the expats did a great job at the Ashes, but having a full travel in thousands of Barmy Army people will, will be great to see. And let's hope that England can do well on the field as well. I agree. Test is best. And yeah, well, also on that point that you make about the um, head coach, well, whoever it is, we're going to get behind them because that's what we do. So, um, yeah, we'll look forward to kind of seeing who that's going to be. But we've got Sir Andrew Strauss sort of taking the reins temporarily. Mm. In the next... So, uh, good, 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 good luck to him. I think it'll be someone who's been on our podcast. I don't know. Possibly. I mean, there's a good chance. There's a good chance we've had some belting names. If you've not checked them out, do go back and have a look. Uh, some brilliant, brilliant guests on there as well with some. I mean, well, the podcast Randy called Caddick announced as the head coach. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, that'd be a turn up for the books, wouldn't it? Jeez, mm. um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a good, fairly good chance there, isn't there? And also, the podcast is called "The Shackles Are Off," so you do get him talking fairly candidly. Um, also, this is why we've got Izzy Westbury coming on the podcast. She's had like a long tour. She covered the men's ashes for BT and also um, for uh, Triple M, which is like this bonkers Aussie radio station. We'll pick her brains on that one. You've been on there, Chris, as well, haven't you? Um, yeah, so. it's loose. It's really loose. It would not get anywhere near the airwaves in the UK um, for, for obvious reasons, because it is very, very Australian. But um, fair play to her. You've got to have thick skin to go and do a full Ashes tour on Triple M, I can assure you that. Yeah, well, I can imagine. Well, we'll pick her brains on that. She's also a, a, a very talented cricketer. She's played for Middlesex. She also played... She played international cricket for the Netherlands, I think, which is just a little bit bizarre. But anyway, is he is he great West knowledge? Great knowledge. Is our guest? Well, there you go. Um, this is what you're paying for. Um, and uh, we've got. Uh, we've, I mean, we're going to be talking about the women's ashes because we, we say Test is best. Test was best for out of all the games in, in the women's ashes that we've seen. I mean, I was gripped to that. I was so happy to be working. At, sort of quarter past 20 past six one morning on the radio I had a screen in the studio I was in and I couldn't believe what I was seeing I was like what what's going on here England like they're going to win and then they lost two wickets there oh my god and it was it was incredible to watch and like people were saying oh it's the best best finish ever so I had to watch the highlights and it it just looked like it to be honest so we're going to pick his it was it was incredible it was an incredible advert as well it's just such a shame that it was on an Australian time zone and it wasn't in the UK and kind of got everyone right behind it. I was sure that if that was in the English summer, there would have been um, there would have been a lot of attention, especially in the media. There already was, but but correct. Let's, let's Can you imagine the Saturday afternoon in the summer in July because mm. because when those first couple of wickets that went down, they went five six down. People one hundred percent would have been going, "Oh my word, get the cricket on! It's going to be really exciting." Because that's what yeah. happened. What happens, isn't it? Yeah. So it's um, it is a shame. It is a shame, but uh, 
She's got people talking once again, which is good. Um, also, talking of the women's ashes, you can actually play women's ashes on Cricket 2022, uh, which is uh, the new video console game. We have spoken about it on the podcast previously. We had one of the developers on one of our Ashes podcasts, which was exciting. It's actually an English guy who uh, works with a load of Aussies developing it at the game studio um, out in Australia somewhere. It's very exciting. Anyway, you can play with like Meg Lanning, Heather Knight, um, against the men's teams as well, which is pretty cool. And um, Cricket 22 is available on all major consoles and very easy to pick up online and in a store near you. Have you played it, Chris? Because I've not actually. I have, yeah, I have. When I was 18 for five in my first game, I thought it's probably not for me. Uh, yeah it's one of them i think I, I, the, the graphics are incredible like the, whoever does the graphics on that game i tip my hat to you because they have taken some time in making sure that these players look exactly like the, the players that are, are playing well all the ones that i've seen anyway and i was really impressed with it and the, and the, the game features on there are, are really enjoyable as well but there isn't a feature that can make you good quickly and that's what I would have needed to not be 18 for five but um yeah I think I climbed to about 60 odd and then then retired yeah, <laughs> yeah. right sounds like you need a bit more practice you know? I think I probably do yeah I think I probably do should we have a session one weekend I'm all right. Uh, now, I'm really kidding. It sounds really good. And also, we did see it, actually, when we had that Greenwood Sports Bar um, uh, event just before the Ashes, there was a console set up there, I believe. Or well, I've seen it, definitely seen it. And I did have to do a bit of a double take and think, geez, what cricket's that on? All right, it's just a game. Brilliant graphics, like you say. So there you go. Easy to pick up online and also in a store near you. So our guest is um, former Middlesex and international cricketer, Izzy Westbury. And she is um, on the podcast in her capacity as a broadcaster now. Let's get into the chat. Hope you enjoy. Um, so we've got Izzy Westbury with us on the Shackles Rock podcast. Now, Izzy, it looks beautiful and sunny where you are. And um, I mean, you've had a great tour. How long have you been out there for, by the way? <laughs> God, I must have arrived in December. And, um, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I'm so knackered and I need to go home. And then I remember that it's February in London and it's dark and it's raining and it's horrible and there's nothing to look forward to and you haven't stuck to your January diet or any anything that you were supposed to and then I think no I don't really want to come back thanks very much <laughs> you do right <coughs> you've had a I mean you know I say you've had a great tour you have because it's been although disappointing from an England perspective there's been loads to talk about as a as a journalist you have got to cover so many different stories loads of different talking points I mean how long ago does it seem the whole Tim Payne Pat Cummins being <laughs> in debacle I mean that seems like months and months ago now doesn't it I mean at that point the narrative was that Australia were more am I allowed to swear on this podcast by the way yeah of course you are yeah Pat okay God. well Australia were more fucked than we were coming into the into the men's ashes and you just thought this is, this is beautiful and then that was about the only high point of the whole tour but uh, 
I mean, listen, you sign up when you go when you when you look at the, the sort of the the fixture list and you think England's men and women are going to Australia. I mean, neither of them have a great record. Chances are you're going to be absolutely battered. So you might as well enjoy it while you're there. And um, it's pretty much how it went. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And and um, you've you've been covering it for BT Sport as well as a bit of Australian media. Triple M. What, what are the Triple M guys cool. like? You would love Triple M. Triple M are like, I feel like if, if the Barmy Army had cricket commentary, it would be Triple M. I mean, it's it's the the concept is is nuts. It's um it's a rock station. So they're a music station. They've just got, you know, you normally you tune in on your five your, your five PM drive time and they've just got some really nice tunes actually. I've had a whole education in my musical education here. <laughs> and then um now and again they just cover cricket. I mean, they do a lot of AFL, Aussie rule stuff. So it's quite, it's the kind of the equivalent of, I, mean, I almost want to put it down to like a talk sport kind of vibe, but then still the whole rock station covering cricket. And um, I mean, I asked if I could swear on here and I didn't really need to ask when I was on, when I was on there. It, um, it's pretty loose. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've got Merv Hughes, James Brayshaw, Greg Blewett, of, of course, um, Brad Haddon, who's a big fan of the Barmy Army, big fan. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it was, it was me. And then, so I, I guess I was the, the token, token pom alongside, not so much a token pom in Lordy and Botham. But <laughs> anyway, he, it got so bad at one point, I think he walked out. I'm pretty sure he walked out of the booth in Hobart. Um, it, it can be quite a siege mentality, but that, I don't know, that's when the fun comes out, really. Yeah, it's, it sounds a bit of you, Chris, actually, now, a bit of rock music. And uh, this man has Radio X on all the time, by the way, is he? So, well, there uh, you go. I mean, this is a, this is a new niche. I feel as though there's like a, an untapped audience there. If Radio X started doing cricket, cricket commentary, it could be as successful as Triple M. There you go. Toby, get... Toby Tarrant's been on, hasn't he? So he's up for it. I was going to say, don't tell Toby that idea. Jeez, I've, been on, I've been on Triple be awful. a couple of times before, and it is full on. Like, I wasn't ready for it. On the last tour, I went in radio and said, yeah, no worries. Got in there, just literally got abused for like 20 minutes and then walked out. I was like, good morning. I was lucky. I was lucky, though, because um, Isha Gua did it about four years ago. And that was kind of her entrance into, into the Australian audience. And oh, she gave me about a two-hour two hour briefing before I signed anything. But like, you, you do realise what you're getting into because it's, I mean, I think it's the exhausting relentlessness of it. <laughs> um, in a way it's easier when England get absolutely smashed because you if, if it was close it would almost be worse because you'd have to fight a little bit more but now you just have to kind of just sit there and go yeah <laughs> it's pretty shit Take it. yeah. so good. we've actually got a brilliant clip producer Chuck's going to fire it in for us um, about a moment where you let's say caught them out and you know exactly what we're referring to but for the listeners just have, have a listen to this Root holds his shape in defence. Two for 81, comes down the track, does a bit of gardening. This is his Anus Mirabilis. Six at three so far this, this calendar year. Ethan Lyon hunting his 400th test wicket. Nice. No. men chasing up Anus Mirabilis. Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you have to be very careful. Now you say. How do you pronounce it again? Anus. 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 Never doubt, you see. It is a. 
in a way it got lost on the on the radio because it was the um it was the face facial expressions that really did it so Blewett's just sitting there going what the fuck are you talking about and you know when you're like you just say something I mean an Annus Mirabilis I didn't study Latin at school but it's a bit like Carpe Diem everybody know what the hell you, what, what you're talking about yeah. you're talking about Joe Root and his centuries last year I was basically trying to say that it was like the most ridiculous year he's ever had to just whack out this phrase and they blew it and Callum Ferguson the nicest of blokes just sitting there going I've got no idea what she's saying <laughs> and so for a moment I'm sitting there going shit if I said something stupid or wrong or you know if I got this phrase wrong my whole life <laughs> and then of course with their wonderful Australian accents they sort of go is that an anus an anus marvelous <laughs> <laughs> be careful be careful about that one it's good we like that we're here for it if you confuse the Aussies with a bit of Latin I mean I love it I'd I'd already I think I hadn't even said a word on Australian radio when I went viral because of um that that first ball wicket of Burns because I I just I just come into the box to kind of see how they do it I was like Mm. I'm on in the next half an hour I should probably see what they're their vibe is and I'm just standing there and obviously like well I basically try and climb the walls to get out because it, it was so awful <laughs> every time every time you come to Australia you're thinking just need to have a good half first half hour good first half hour it's fine you, you get brought up whether you saw the Harmons and stuff or you saw was it that first ball in 94 getting cut before um yeah, I can't remember who it was but like every every you get brought up with English men's cricket Test cricket, Ashes cricket, that first half hour is so important. Don't fuck it up. And when you see it unraveling in front of you in a room full of this, like, Australians who are kind of wound up to the hilt, ready to go for the Ashes. They hadn't played any Test cricket, Australia, since India had smashed them at the Gabba in, mm. in, um, in March. So, like, they're so tight and so ready for this. <laughs> and then that happened. I was just like, how am I here? <laughs> yeah. We were um we we were in a in a bar in central London. I think it was about half past midnight, and there was like three hundred England fans that were buzzing, super excited. And then oh, it's eleven for three. Just <laughs> yeah, and and you, you're telling yourself like it's one ball. It's just the start of a whole series. But you know, you know what's going to happen next, <laughs> and and that's pretty much what did happen the rest of the tour. But um yeah, I mean every journalist will say the secret, I guess to. I've always, the unspoken secret is that writing about um, glorious defeat is far easier than writing about victory because you can you can lose a match in so many more ways than you can win one. So yeah, if you ever want to, an answer for why some of the journalists in that press box can get a bit haggard and craggy, probably yeah. they're looking for a, a glorious defeat over anything else. Yeah, which is good because you know you do breathe sort of some lifeblood into it. You know, I've sat in a couple of press boxes at cricket grounds and. It's um, it's different, isn't it? It's it, well, I say it's different. It's probably really exactly what you'd imagine, but it's changing. It is changing a little bit, but <laughs> for, for the better. Um, yeah, well, I mean, fundamentally, we're all a bit weird. I mean, if you cover cricket, <laughs> if you write about cricket for your, you know, it's your, it's your, it's not only your job. It's like you live and breathe the stuff. If you want, because there's so few cricket journalists around, I guess if to sort of stand out, you've got to really absolutely love it and. Yeah, yeah, it's all a bit weird, you know. <laughs> so I think different types of weird is absolutely fine, and the more the better. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you just talked about losing matches in um, various ways. Well, 
goodness gracious me. Well, I was, I'll tell you what. So I, in my, in my other job, um, that's, um, you know, more paid and is probably a more real job than this one, but far less enjoyable. I was on the radio. James, no need need to talk about other jobs on this. Be very careful with what I say. Far less enjoyable. Um, I was sat on the radio the other day when the, that ridiculous finish, uh, was (laughs) in a test match and I, I, I couldn't, follow it because i'm trying to focus on a conversation and i've got i'm thinking i can't quite work out what on earth is happening here and then kate cross jimmy anderson-esque sort of battered out at the end it was brilliant it was it was so good i mean there was all four results still possible wasn't there right until the 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 wire which was great um you were there for that and covering it talking about the women's ashes it's not been a glorious sensational defeat like the men's has um but it's been exciting and there's been a lot more coverage, particularly of that test match, hasn't there? Loads of people talking about it who perhaps wouldn't have done usually. That's That's got to be a good thing, is it? Oh, yeah. And that's that's one of the nicest things about being a woman in sport, covering women's sport, is that sometimes I think, God, if I was, I don't know, like a football journalist covering the Premier League, I mean, it gets pretty cyclical and you end up just talking about transfer fees and quite boring I mean, you, you, yeah, more off the field than on the field. Whereas in women's sport, sometimes you're like, oh my God, it's so frustrating and there's so much inequality or whatever. But then you're also like, actually, every day is better than the, than the day before and it's, mm-hmm. it's progressing. And I think that's the exciting thing is that it doesn't take that much investment or attention for the stuff to really improve pretty quickly, which is also where the frustration comes. It's like, can't, can't you see how with you know, just five years of, of a semi-professional cricket in England and how good the players are. Um, you know, I kind of got out just playing the game when it started getting semi-professional and I wouldn't want to play against any, any of these women. Um, and they look at Australia, who've been semi, you know, had a stronger domestic league for longer. Um, and they're ridiculous, the athletes. They're amazing. And I think it's, I feel like test cricket, in a way, could, could really suit women because... Yeah. If you think about it, the last 10 years, T20 has been the game that's been used to kind of grow the women's, women's cricket. And it's worked to an extent and it's got a lot more, it's quick, it's fast, you can get people engaged um, more quickly. But, but actually, I mean, if it's relying on strength and power and speed, that's something which women are, you know, aren't comparable to men. But actually the, the perseverance, the timing, the um, like endurance sports as well, like, you know, we're seeing sort of women running ridiculous 100-mile um, feats and beating men doing it. And in a way, you feel like actually test cricket and that endurance aspect of it could be really well-suited to women. And, and, and that's why it's so good to have the four-day the four test, the finish that we had between England and Australia, is that they don't get an opportunity to, to show what they can do. They've got this dual pressure of having to win, but also to, to put on a show. And so when it comes off, obviously it's... It's amazing, and you think you know if we can get this more regular, then I think women's test cricket could be could be really fun. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and besides, I, I feel like I've I've got this thing, this lost calling that I feel like I was uniquely suited to becoming a night watcher in test cricket, but I never got the opportunity. So I'll be I'll be shouting for that one for a long time. Do you um do, do you have any strong feelings on on how many days a women's test should be? I mean, I kind of think that every time we've sort of said women's cricket should have this or that, they've we've underestimated them and they've and they've shown actually what they can do. So I kind of think, well, why not five days? But I, I don't think it's like the key thing to making women's test cricket exciting or competitive. I think to be honest, what we saw in 
in Canberra where this this test the Ashes test was played was a really good pitch. Mm. And and that mm. that's what's key. Because I think in the past is that if you have one test every two years or one every year, and it's the one opportunity to showcase, quite often it's been on a, a really dead pitch. And you've got these quite boring draws where people just racked up scores or the run rates got really slow. Because if you don't mm. play it that much, you, you are either kind of one or the other, really. Um, and so it has been not a great spectacle, but but what you need is that wonderful balance. And I mean, Catherine Brunt, the way that she bowls, she's you, know, she, you could put a camera on her for the whole test match and you'd be entertained. But she said, you know, it has something in, in, in it for her. But then we also saw the way in which Heather Knight batted um, to get that, that 150 was just immense. So it's, it's no different to men's test cricket is that you want to have pitches that have a bit in it for everyone uh, and then you'll get the best matches and that that's really probably that was the key I'd, I'd suggest the, the pitch yeah yeah and we would love to see another test match like that in the UK um 100% because we, you'd get you, I mean you'd, you'd pack out a, a county ground wouldn't you you know a, a smaller county ground for a test match like that if you knew if punters knew that that's what they were going to get you'd pack yeah. it out no problem. Oh, 100%. And like some of the best England women's cricket that I've seen has been at this, this smaller county, so to speak. So like at a, a Chelmsford or down at Brighton and Hove, where you've got seven, 8,000 capacity. And, and you know, even, even men's test cricket, you're not going to really routinely pack out the 25,000 seat stadium. Like if you if you have the nice, the county grounds that don't normally get the men's test matches, put put more women's test matches for there. And you, the, the atmosphere, the pitches, that can become their thing it, it feels like the, the good thing is it feels like people are, in England certainly are starting to clock that this this could be a really viable product I mean that, that's I guess the, the bottom line in the end which is so often hindered women's cricket is it's not going to make a return in the next five minutes but actually people are realizing that it's not just going to be in, in 50 years time actually in, in five ten years time this could be something really really big yeah yeah, and um, you know, just want to pick you up on a point there as well about you played for Middlesex, um, and you know what was what was the standard like then compared to now? I mean, you said you wouldn't want to play against any of the players now, but seriously, I mean, is, is it changed? Is it changed that much? You know, has it improved that much since you were playing? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like I would say that I was I was a good athlete and had a good eye for the ball, but if there had been way more girls that had been open to cricket um, mm. and they, they realised that it was a viable career path, I wouldn't have had a chance in hell. And in a way, I was quite lucky to play in the era that I did because I was of a small pool of players, I guess, that was just reasonably athletic and, and yeah, I for the ball kind of stuff. But, you know, I played football and other things as well. But I don't think I'd have had a chance at the moment. The interesting stuff about women's sport now is like, if you're a, a 10, 11 year old athletic all-rounder girl, what, what sport do you pick? And at the moment, I'd probably say football has the upper hand. I mean, because mm. they've got a sponsorship and the um, the coverage, the free to air coverage, like that. That's kind of the most attractive pathway, and that's cricket. Sort of, that's the challenge now for cricket is how can you attract those those best young athletes? And that's what Australia does really well because they've got other sports here, like the AFL Women's Codes and, and soccer, football here um, is 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 a pretty big pathway in basketball. So they're all competing against each other, saying we we want to grab those, those athletes, and we're seeing that in some of the young bowlers coming through for Australia, already bowling at seventy five miles an hour at the age of eighteen, which is yeah. immense in in the women's game. And I think that's yeah. that's what um, English cricket needs to do. And yeah, I think also just if you can train full time. Um, I remember when 
So what England did a bit differently was that they they first started making England women full full time professionals, but kind of didn't do anything with the tier underneath. So you had sort of eighteen women in two thousand and fourteen suddenly overnight became full time professionals, and then if you were the nineteenth woman, you got nothing. So there's quite this, this gap just kind of just grew. And suddenly they were training full time, and, and we were kind of like, oh shit, I've got to go to my nets at five o'clock after work. And so of course you know, Nat Silver was already smashing the ball past me at cover, and then. The next year it was just going out a little bit faster kind of thing whereas in australia they've, they've had a bit more incremental we're going to invest in domestic structure and, and that's probably what we're seeing play out at the moment and why australia in the women's game just as they are as the men's game are, are stronger than england but what will be interesting will be in five years time um when you know 100 love it or loathe it it's probably going to have a massive impact on women's cricket um it's just yeah. gets it into that pedestal the more people are professional and i think yeah that's when the Ashes could be could be really competitive. It's just a little bit too soon for England right now. We, um, yeah. I, I had a chat with a county development officer last week and he was re- really insightful about how boys and girls in primary schools are now playing, but they're both playing cricket rather than the boys playing cricket and the girls playing rounders. It's now yeah. the girls are playing cricket ahead of rounders, which I, I think is as big a move as any for the, for the women's game, for the growth of it. Yeah, it's just it's just numbers as well. I mean, if you, if you have more people introduced to the game and not being told, oh, no, cricket's for boys and you've got to go do athletics or whatever it was we had to do, um, then you're just, you know, <laughs> you're just going to have more people to pick from. Um, yeah. So, and, and again, I think women's cricket, like, it's a growth area. It's such, it's such an easy thing to tap into. Um, but, like, in a way, even if, you know, even the biggest misogynist ever, if you just wanted to look at the bottom line and make money, like, invest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you'll, uh, it's quite timely. You can probably hear the rain just absolutely pounding down in London, by the way. Horrendous. So, on that note, are you looking forward to what lies ahead for you in the summer? What's, what's the summer looking like for Izzy Westbury? Yeah, good question. I mean, we get back to England at some point, I guess. Um, I mean, the Commonwealth Games is coming up, which I think could be quite big for, for the women's game, but also for cricket in itself, mm. um, if that goes well. So only the women are competing in the Commonwealth mm. Games, but you, you kind of feel as though it's the, the pathway for, um, for the Olympics, possibly, which could be, which could be massive for the game um, around the world, get the US involved, possibly even China. So I think Commonwealth Games, um, it sounds as though South Africa are going to come over for the women. Um, and play a test match as well and then I mean obviously there we've already been talking about the whole thing in the media in the moment is the, the massively congested England men's calendar so it's it's always nuts um, and, and I, 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 I kind of just enjoy covering cricket I think I think the media is going that way like especially in broadcast of you're getting a much bigger crossover of men covering women women covering men and then just you know the, the best commentators, the best writers in the end will just be covering the biggest games from either, either gender. And, and I think England's pretty, pretty good at that. You look at, you know, I'm out here with like, Henry Moran's here with the BBC. He's been covering women for ages as, much, as well as he does men's. Um, Charles Dagnall as well. Uh, Nasser Hussein was at the, the T20 World Cup. And I think that's so important is having that, that crossover. Um, and uh, it's happening. It is, it's getting there. So, we yeah, spoke or with, with Australian um, guests that we've had. And we've just said, I mean, the, there's just, the, the parity is like unbelievable, isn't it? Like in terms of the sport there, like it seems like there's not really, obviously there's issues still, but there's not a, as big of a difference 
in between men's and women's, the way they, where they approach it and they herald certain stars, like you look at Elise Perry, Meg Lanning, they get talked about in the same way, well, kind of way, to, uh, you know, Pat Cummins does, for example, or Steve Smith, whereas you don't get that here yet. Um, so I wonder what, it, what it's, you know, when, whilst you've been out there, it's been, must have been a bit of an eye-opener, even though I know you go all the time, but you must yeah. have seen refresher, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, it is. It's just, it's kind of where, in some ways, I think Australia is 30 years behind us, but in other ways, you think actually they're ridiculously progressive. Um, and and like the difference as well is, is that you see cricketers, men and women, like fronting quite big adverts, like for the big car companies or for everyday products, which you don't really see that in the UK. And, you know, you could argue what the reasons are for that, whether it's behind paywalls, et cetera, but it's just much more in the conscience. Um, and then I think the BBL was, a really big part of it as well yeah. is that, that the women's tournament sort of started in 2015 and 16 they could kind of they just latched straight onto an already quite successful product for the men and suddenly you, they had this very strong ethos of two teams one club and I think that's what the hundreds trying to do and they've I mean you know there's obviously issues with the the salaries of, of men versus women and that will you know hopefully come to parity at some point but what they've done well is the they put the teams and the players on the same pedestal um when when you see marketing for something if there's a men's player there's a women's player and it's again it's it's not hard it's just not it's not going to cost you that much money to do and i think yeah it's just little things so part of it's the culture um just to seeing cricketers in uh in your, your like day day-to-day life because i think that's one of the things that we've really got to get better in men's and women's cricket in england is when i was playing for middlesex i quite often did chance to shine clinics a lot of the state schools um, and you'd sort of, you'd be, you'd be demonstrating a sweep shot and saying, you know, Joe Root, he's, he's great at this. And most people will turn around and go, Joe, Joe who? And yeah. that, to me, that's just, that's sort of, well, it's not blasphemy, but it's like, how, how is that possible that this, like our greatest batter of this era and, you know, one of the top 10 of all time for English cricket is just, is, is not even part of the conversation. Um but I think, you know, things are changing. You know, streaming is going to be a big thing and people are consuming cricket in a different way. And, and that's that's one way where something like like the 100 could could could, could play a, a huge role. So, yeah, I mean... How, I think, do, you think, um, how do you think England will fare in the Women's World Cup just around the corner? I mean, I'm, I'm worried about Australia. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just such a great unit. Such a... You know, you, you lose one player and you've got another one sort of like a carbon copy. I mean, Elise Perry was essentially dropped in their T20 team because they had a, a better, younger model who could hit the ball harder. And you just think that, that's, that, that's Elise Perry. <laughs> She's not even getting a start. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Australia have, they have the tools to do it. Anything can happen in the World Cup. I mean, in the 2017 World Cup, England were not favourites and through circumstance, good leadership, um, losing that, lose the, lose the first match. The number of World Cups, especially women's ones, where you lose the first second match and go on to win it is is uncanny. India, India should, I mean, in many ways, like world cricket should be supporting India because they they kind of need a bit like the men's cricket when they won the T Twenty World Cup in the early two thousands or even just the One Day Cup in the. 1980s that that was the impetus to really investing in their men's white ball structure and and look at the powerhouse it's become and you kind of feel like with with india women is that they need they need something to hang their cap on 
And then again, the, the administrators, the power and the money that, that's in the BCCI could, it, it could transform again. And that's, that's it's great to see because Australia are, they're, they're scared. They're really scared because they're, they're number one at the moment and they're dominating and they probably will for the next few years. But they know that once India realizes like how many women play the game, how many girls play the game, and if they use those numbers and invested a bit more, that they they will dominate the world just like the men are doing right now. So mm. I mean, if anything, just to get all the Aussies off their high horse, I'm I'm all Team India. <laughs> we love to hear that as a Barmy Army podcast. Izzy, we'll get let you get back to the cocktails and Ted Kilda. Um, enjoy the rest of your time in Australia. Just just before we lose you, Izzy, I'm we're, we're um we're really hearing a lot of murmurings of a female IPL, women's IPL, but that ain't going to happen in the short term. But there is this new competition that's been banded about, the Fair Breaks competition. Yeah. I'm sure you're, are you aware of that and what's going to be happening there? Is, is that something you can speak about now? Yeah, I don't know all that much about it. It's been a sort of initiative that's been going on for a few years, trying to get women, I think, from just teams that don't necessarily have the funding and the infrastructure because at the moment if you're not really England Australia or India it's quite hard to to break into the sort of domestic circuits where you know it's a lot more money and it's more lucrative and, and just in a way women's cricket is a, is a great vehicle for getting um women from from the the non-traditional um countries like Thailand we saw the T20 World Cup in 2020 and I think it's so fair break is I think they've got a, a mini tournament happening in Dubai in May um, but they've got, I think, I think I saw someone from Sweden's playing there, like all kinds of disparate countries. It, it sounds, it sounds amazing. Um, but yeah, that's about as much as I know of it, but it's yeah, cricket, cricket, it can be a truly global game. And it, in a way, women, women's cricket probably has more of a chance sometimes than, than the men, because, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're like a, if you're a Thailand men's team, it's quite hard to get into the top 10 of the, of the, the men's country with women, because it's still developing and quite young in that development it's much easier for for a brazil or a thailand or even a usa a, a china to get in so yeah it's, it's it sounds pretty cool awesome exciting exciting stuff something you can ponder over a few cocktails with moran and hartley i'm sure in just a moment <laughs> thanks for coming uh, onto the podcast is he really good to talk to you oh it's a pleasure chat. Podcast Network.